Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Dan Dockett will join us coming up in 15 minutes. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine here every day, live 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern. Baker Mayfield traded to the Carolina Panthers. He's taking a $3.5 million salary cut in order to facilitate this trade. $10.5 million will be paid by Cleveland, and around $5 million will be paid by the Panthers. They still have Sam Darnold. They drafted Matt Corral, and now they acquire Baker Mayfield. But Paul, you were saying uh, during the break, the Vegas odds went actually down for Carolina, not up based on the acquisition today. Well, at least one uh, one site that sends me stuff, sportsbetting.ag, who, uh, whose numbers I use once in a while, uh, has has the odds slightly down for, for the Panthers after this trade, which strikes me as bizarre. I would think uh, anybody over Sam Darnold as the projected starter would give the Panthers uh, a slightly better chance at winning more frequently. They went down to win the to to win the division. The odds are down. We're not just talking Super Bowl here. Yeah, right. Super Bowl uh, down, NFC down. Division went from ten to one to eleven to one. So it's slight. Panthers starting quarterback in week one. Uh, Darnold's plus two hundred. Mayfield uh, minus three hundred. So at least they know so there, there's what's no, going on. There's no logic behind that to me, other than is. Is that someone just trying to get you to place a sucker's bet on them winning something? I guess. Maybe. So now we're going to do this, and people are going to see that and automatically go, man, their odds should be better. So I'm going to bet, even though they have no chance of winning anything legitimate this year. So you're still throwing money away. It's just on better odds. That that division belongs to Tampa Bay. I mean, I think – I'm saying this off the top of my head, but I would think as clearly as any division in football, maybe AFC East – Though, you know, the Jets and Miami are equipped to, you know, maybe have a breakout season. I don't think there's any way they're beating the Bills. But Tampa Bay should kill Carolina, Atlanta, and New Orleans. Yeah. Outright. So I, I think it's a, any, anything you're betting division-wise in there is a sucker's bet if it's not Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay's number is probably terrible. Um, a couple of notes here. Let, let's just uh, look at... So I'm trying not to let the recency bias here affect my judgment of the Carolina Panthers. They were a bad team without Baker Mayfield. They're likely a bad team with him. And you and I are probably um, way down on them because we liked yeah, them last year. That, that, yeah, and, and they they have way underachieved. And I'm looking at a depth chart that includes Christian McCaffrey, and that dude's unlikely to finish the season healthy, um, if we're being fair and honest to this evaluation and process. But, and he's the key to the whole thing. Uh, at wide receiver, they drafted uh, – Marshall from LSU, who's coming off an injury, I believe. Yes. 
DJ Moore just got paid, so he's their top guy. Robbie Anderson is also there. Who had to clarify today he's got no beef with Baker (laughs) Mayfield because early on he said no when it was brought up. They have um, Rashard Higgins, uh, who's an undrafted or player out of, of Cleveland, unrestricted player out of Cleveland, excuse me. Has a good I'm, game once in a while. Yeah, but but primarily they are on offense, run first, run heavy. And that's with Christian McCaffrey. They have Hubbard. And Deontay Foreman. And uh, Deontay Foreman, yeah. Who was so, great last year when he took over for uh, Derrick Henry here. Yeah, and, and, and defensively they should be improved because they have invested heavily on defense to the draft. Um, since Matt Rule has been there. In fact, I think there was a draft, what, two years ago where they just went defense straight through. I think you're right. So they, they should be young and upcoming uh, on, on defense where you've got some guys that should be around the area of hitting their ceiling, if not exceeding it. Nonetheless, here's Baker Mayfield, and I, I presume he, he wins the job, although I, I think we're undervaluing how difficult it could be to just land in Carolina and start playing well, uh, given the fact that he's coming into a brand new offense and having to do everything starting in training camp, not starting in March, uh, whenever he could have been traded going into the, or, or April going into OTAs and minicamp after the draft. But, but if he, I, if he's I'm, better than Sam Darnold. I mean, yeah. you know, that, to me, it's that I simple mean, when it comes to that. It is going to be difficult. And there are no guarantees about his play, but he's just better. Well, here, here's the key, though. Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, I like the start to their season. Um, I wrote a column recently about Miami and what Mike McDaniel faces right out of the gate as a first-time head coach and first-time play caller, where they're facing the New England Patriots, then they're at Baltimore, then they're back home against the Bills. I mean, that, that is a gauntlet of a schedule with Tua and Mike McDaniel trying to make things work there. But here's, here's Carolina. They open against the Browns, which is an unbelievable start. Carolina against Cleveland. That's in Carolina. They follow that first month of the season, Giants, Saints, Cardinals. If you think about the quarterback situations and overall roster of the Browns right now, not expected to have Deshaun Watson starting, so that could be Jacoby Brissett against Baker Mayfield. Could be. The Giants, a, a prove-it year there for Daniel Jones, and they have... New coach. Uh, Saquon Barkley coming back from injury. New coach. Uh, revamped front on the defense. Saints, same thing uh, with, with quarterback questions. And Jameis Winston not having uh, anything long-term at the quarterback spot there in New Orleans. And then the Cardinals, who traditionally start fast, but have a lot of stress and expectation put on them without Hopkins in the lineup for this game. Kyler Murray looking for a big-time extension before the season rolls around. We haven't seen that happen yet. What happens there if he doesn't have the extension? Just throwing out scenarios here. It's not that gaunt... When I saw the bad. when I saw the odds, I said, "Oh, they must be facing Tampa out of the gate. Right. Maybe the Rams are mixed in there." I'm looking at their schedule. I'm thinking, "Man, I, this could be a two and two type team, three and one, best case scenario." And I don't see an zero oh and four 
Carolina team. It's not as bad. As much as I want it's to not hate bad. them for last year. It's not bad at all. But all of those teams are kind of thinking the same way. Oh, Carolina right. in the first month, that's pretty good for us. Here's one of the things I'm down at, on Carolina about after being really up on them last year. Joe Brady was a bit of a fall guy. Think fired during the season, right? And one of the big charges for Matt Rule was to go get something big at offensive coordinator. And what he wound up with was McAdoo. Yep. Uh, you excited about that? I'm not. Uh, you know, and maybe that's recency bias because he was probably a pretty good assistant before he went and wasn't a good head coach with, yeah, with he, the Giants. I, he was with Green Bay for a while. Where was he last year, though? It was, it was Dallas He was or a Tampa? consultant in Dallas okay. before he got this job. Consultant doesn't excite me. Before that, he was the Jags uh, the first year after he was fired. He took some time off well, after he was fired by the Giants. He was the Jags quarterback coach in 2020. Then he was a Dallas consultant. Before uh, that, he was an offensive mean, coordinator with the Giants before he got well, the head on, job. Hang on. We weren't ripping Jim Schwartz for taking a consultant role last year. So no. let's, let's be fair to the name of the gig there. And he yeah, was right. a good and you're getting offensive paid, coordinator you're getting paid before. by the Giants. I mean, we're, paid we, we look Giants. at it as a slight for Ben McAdoo, who's a consultant in Dallas, when people were praising Jim Schwartz when the defense got better here. But he didn't year. have a huge resume coming into the Giants job. He was quarterback coach for two years with the Packers. And that's a golden job. You're working with Aaron yeah. Rodgers, and everybody gets excited about you. Right. How, how great a coach was he? He was offensive quality control with the Saints. He was assistant offensive line with the 49ers. He was tight end coach in Green Bay before he fell into quarterback coach job there, which, hey, great. You got to work with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure the you blessing. did fine, fine work. But you get the papal blessing from Aaron Rodgers, and that's the magic ticket, right? I don't love him as Carolina's offensive coordinator, uh, but they did take a flyer on Joe Brady before that, the kind of move you like. So what do you do after that? You go safe. You go, you go with the NFL lifer. Right. The, the, the bounce back is we'll, we'll go as safe as possible with a guy who's been around the league since we went with this. Upstart. Exactly. That hasn't been around the, the professional game. When it's still like a – man, it, I, I, I view it, though, as a very – it's not a layup by any means. But you know what you're getting in Baker Mayfield – Right, you're you're getting a guy who's never going to quit on you, and a player who, um, while he's going to be in some tough spots and he plays reckless, I think there's a fire and an energy to that that also is very enduring. I say that knowing what Cleveland just told us, though, which was it doesn't really matter. And let 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 me also, and I nearly I, I had not read the full statement, so I didn't bring it up in primary complaint. But this statement from the Cleveland Browns about what Baker Mayfield meant to them after just signing and fully guaranteeing Deshaun Watson this, uh, this contract is ridiculous. And I've – give me a moment. I've got it pulled up, and I've got so many freaking windows open. Well, let me also say this about anything that's coming out of Cleveland in terms of um, what they thought about Baker Mayfield and anonymous quotes coming out of there and them needing an adult in the room and all of this. Is Cleveland a reliable narrator in all of this? I want to be fair to Baker Mayfield. And I'm not saying that he's completely innocent and maybe there was something going on, but are we just completely buying an anonymous source coming out of the Browns organization as the truth in regards to Baker Mayfield? Or are they an unreliable narrator? Now they're very complimentary as he walks out the door. So here's here's Andrew Barry. Uh, Baker Mayfield infused our organization with tenacity and grit during his time as our starting quarterback. Baker's competitiveness, toughness, and ability to persevere were all characteristics that endeared him to our city as well as his teammates. 
He will always have a unique place in Brown's history for what he accomplished, and we wish him well as he continues his career. Uh, that from Andrew Barry. And then uh, Dee and Jimmy Haslam also echoed that same sentiment where Do they you need point an out ownership his, comment on top of that. I mean, well, that's I, a little much as it is, which I'm sure is what you're you're getting. At. Yeah. Now I mean, they're yeah. going to have owners comment as well. I'm not going to read the full statement from them, but they point out all of the events that he did off the field in the community, Special Olympics, Boys and Girls Club, and uh, they thanked him for his contributions to the Cleveland Browns. If he was this good, you would have your team built around. <laughs> yeah, you'd extend well, it. They're right? not saying he's good. Well, neither. But, they're saying he personally okay, so, was this influential. So, what, how did you phrase the question, Chad? Are we going to allow the Browns to be the barometer? The no, I said, uh, I, I'm just asking the question are the Browns a reliable narrator in all this? I think the league is. No one was clamoring for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, look, he was uh, unreliable. Which is, which is surprising to me. He was a, a semi-unreliable question mark. But he ends up in mark. a place that we all thought in the beginning made perfect sense. He was a semi-unreliable question mark going into last year, and then the injury screwed him. And so the league has moved to other people. Um, and he needs a bounce-back year playing. It's different than, um, than uh, who went to Buffalo last year and has come out of it. Trubisky. But it's similar in that yeah. this year can revive him. Trubisky miraculously did it on the bench. Uh, Baker Mayfield is Baker way Mayfield, than yeah, is going to is going to yeah, have a chance that, to do it on the field. The off season that we just went through, where Baker Mayfield didn't even, uh, excuse me, Trubisky didn't even play, and he was the he was the first free agent quarterback to land somewhere. Well, in Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, no uh, one was trying to, to trade be fair, for Mayfield. Too though, there, there's a big salary involved. There's a trade that has to go down. There's a Browns organization that everyone knew they had to get rid of them so they could wait it out as long as possible and get the best possible deal out of them. Mitchell Trubisky was just there for the taking if someone wanted him. I think Baker Mayfield, Mitchell Trubisky's not in Baker Mayfield's ballpark. No, I think, I think Baker Mayfield will come out of this the same place he was, maybe a little better, at the start of last year. Where you don't really, you can't quite, Get yourself to commit to him as a long-term future, future of your franchise guy. And you, you don't want to invest that kind of money in him, but you like him a lot better than a lot of the options that, that are out there. I think that's kind of what he is. And that some Sundays he'll look like the best player in the league. And other Sundays you'll say, what the hell is this guy doing? Uh, and I, that's, a, that's a tier of quarterbacks in the league. He could be at the head of that tier, but I don't know if he could jump from that tier into the next tier, which is – you know what you're going to get Sunday. But we've to seen Sunday. him play uh, a complete season and play it well. The 2020 year, yeah. prior to last year playing through the shoulder, he he's coming good. off of a very productive year and then gets hurt in week two, and then played through it, but was just simply not the same guy as he was the year prior. And I don't have any big issue with those statements uh, from the Browns because they didn't trip over themselves talking about his greatness as a quarterback. It was much more about his perseverance and his work in the community and having a, a, a spot in Cleveland Browns history, whatever. Uh, my thing would be, just don't say anything, right? If you're the Browns, like it's okay to not release a statement and not say anything. And then you played them in week one. If you want all your people that are in front of the media to speak glowingly about his perseverance and how much he meant to the Browns, fine. Do it then. Pump him up as you go into that week one game when you know all the questions are going to be about Baker Mayfield. I I don't always understand this desire to put out a statement right away. 
right? We just made the trade. We all know what you're doing. You wanted Deshaun Watson and not him. You didn't want him to be the future of your organization. You can be silent. The deal is done. The trade is gone. Let this be Baker Mayfield's moment now to start anew in Carolina and stay out of it. I can understand why they do it for two reasons. Uh, Just how bad they've been at quarterback forever. So grateful for anybody that's done anything. So you want to put a stamp on that. And they got a chance here to talk about a quarterback without any questions about sexual assault. Yeah. But again, you could also just take the chance to not have to say anything. <laughs> I, w- I would just fall back on, we just won't say anything. The, the deal is done. These well, statements just fizzle. I but, mean, but think you about read it and it's gone. From, from this perspective too, um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I put a lot of emphasis on him playing through the injury as long as he did. And it was, they were completely eliminated from any mathematical playoff chance before they put him on IR. And they threw him to the Wolves against the Pittsburgh Steelers in December of last year. Um, where they, they could have easily gone to the backup and, and saved him what was a terrible performance. Um, with that, because he was getting crushed. Uh, with that being said, if he elected to have the shoulder surgery after the injury, the lasting memory of Baker Mayfield in Cleveland would be the playoff, playoff game and the playoff win. And With Stefanski from his basement. So where... Where does he end up now compared to playing through the injury and hurting himself? I don't think you you, you can't say that persevering through the shoulder injury helped him in any way through this. It did not. Um, In in fact, the Browns treated him like garbage. How often does that turn out to be the case? I mean, the, the contractual timing was the unfortunate thing there because most times if a guy does that, that's why he's playing it, right? Yeah. That's why he was playing. It's why I want to take every chance to say good job to Baker Mayfield on it and good job taking the pay cut to do this so you can get out there and play and start somewhere again yeah. because he is now a cautionary tale. Every young quarterback or any quarterback that's got the slightest issue that can't be 100%, their agent is going to get in their ear and say, don't be Baker Mayfield who tried to play tough guy and stick through it for his team and play through it and completely damage your future earnings in doing so. If there's one guy That's I'd the like, sad part about all this. If there's one guy I'd like not to, to get hurt this year, it's, it's him. I, I mean, I think he deserves uh, in many ways a, a full season in exchange for what he did last year, which was the right thing, but didn't, didn't pay off for him. So I, I feel sympathetic for him. I do. Dan Dockich weighs in on this discussion and more. We'll hit the OutKick headlines with Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me across the OutKick network. Dockich next and OutKick. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 360. From 6th and Peabody, Outkick 360 rolls on in Nashville and across the Outkick network. Dan Dockett joins us. You can... Check out Dan every morning, every weekday morning with Don't At Me with Dan Dockett across the Outkick Network, streaming live each a.m. Dan, good to see you, man. What's going on, fellas? 
How are we doing, Daniel? I, I need I'm to, doing splendid. <laughs> I need to know what to make of Chet Holmgren last night. I know this is a summer league game and it doesn't amount to much. But NBA people seem to think 23.7 rebounds, four assists, and six blocks in a debut is uh, notable. I have no idea who was on the floor against him either. So I, you're my NBA guy. Tell me uh, what this means and how it looked to you when you looked at the highlights, which I'm sure you've seen. Uh, meaningless. I've done NBA Summer League games for ESPN. I've been out there, and it's absolutely meaningless. And I get it. You know, uh, he's the he's the guy, right? He did it against Kofi Coburn, who's a nice player, but – Kofi Coburn had a real chance last night to get in a stance and play hard. I watched the highlights, and I'm thinking, man, who's guarding this guy? And I think Chet Holmgren's a fine player. I think he's going to be a very good scorer in the NBA. I don't know that he's going to be uh, a great player because of his body type. Maybe he will be. It looked good, no question about it. But I got to tell you, I put zero into it. And if I'm different than others, then good for me. I remember – Paul, when the Pacers, I was screaming for them to draft Draymond Green. They took a guy, Miles Plumley. Miles Plumley, not the good Plumley, Mason, but Miles. They took him in the first round. Miles Plumley had 18 rebounds in his first summer league game, and people crushed me. See, you don't know. I'm like, look, it's a summer league game. I think Holmgren will be a good player. I think all these draft picks need to shut the hell up, whether it's Holmgren or Sharp or our guy Mathurin, and just go out and be good. Uh, But I I think it's meaningless. Dan, I feel like there's a lot of college football media out there, and maybe it's an affiliation with a network that has something to do with this, but they're really doing their best to try to convince themselves that they love all of this conference realignment and all this expansion with conferences and how ultimately this is going to be good for college football. And i got to be honest, I'm not there yet. I I don't see how leaving behind a bunch of schools that have been in a Power 5 conference for years and years where we associate rivalries and conferences one way is great for the sport right now. What do you make of this? Well, I think college football media does a couple things. One, they go, which way is the wind blowing? Everyone's saying conference realignment is great, so I'm in with it. And the other thing college football media does is because they're such dorks that they all tell you they like Springsteen. That makes them seem cool. I've seen that forever. Like every college media guy, oh, man, Springsteen. Yeah, shut he up. He is great. And uh, NFL media does the same thing, too. I, <laughs> all, uh, New oh, Jersey no, people all, all do media it. media does well, Springsteen's fine. I saw him in concert. Blaze Winter, nose tackle, tried to beat the hell out of me, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I Look, I, I, it is what it is, is how I look at it. Is it good for college football across the board? Probably not. I mean, you know, I guess you got to tell USC and USC or USC and UCLA that it's good for them. I don't know, but what is it good for Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State right now? No, and, and it's not going to stop, right? I mean, I, is it good for those teams in the Big 12 that lost Oklahoma and Texas? No. Is it good for the fans? Actually, in my world, it kind of is. There is nothing duller in college football, and I love college football. I, I get my day done so that I can watch the 330 Big Ten game. I don't watch the noon Big Ten game. 
The noon Big Ten game of Minnesota taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes is awful. It is the cure for insomnia. If you stay out all night and, you know, you got to get up in the morning, you sleep through the noon Big Ten game. Game day throws it to Pam Ward or somebody. Big game Beth Mullins. You know, doing it's always game. big game Beth on that call. Yeah, big, that game. Yeah, big game yep. Beth. No question about it. And you sit there and you go, it's horrible. Now, for me, if that game changes and it's USC playing somebody, for me personally, it's a little different. So for the fan, I guess, for the money for schools, I guess. But I'll tell you what's interesting. What's going to happen to Kansas, a basketball power that has no football cachet? What's going to happen to Connecticut, a, a team that couldn't get into any league, had to go to the AAC because they have no football cachet? It's good for fans. It's good for the schools that are going to make the money. But is it good for the sport? I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily buy this is great for the sport. Dan Dockich with us on Outkick 360. What does Notre Dame do, if anything, Dan? I'm a believer, and I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm a believer that Notre Dame, uh, while still important, its relevance has slipped a little. That's my view. Like, I look at, okay, the SEC. The SEC's just fine, right? I mean, the SEC, you tell me. I mean, I'll watch the SEC. I'll watch the Big Ten. You know, a few years ago, nobody ever, ever in the Big Ten, ever, actually a few months ago, ever thought that USC or UCLA would come in. They all thought, man, if we can get Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame still big relevance, big TV contract, all that stuff, but not as much. And I don't know what's going to happen to the ACC. Is the AC? I know this. I know this. I know the Big Ten wants North Carolina bad. That I do know. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State didn't end up in the SEC. You can see some natural things happening here. Notre Dame, maybe uh, they saved the ACC. I don't know. But when I look at the two powers right now, the Big Ten and the SEC, I don't see where Notre Dame is that important. Yes, they have a seat at the table. Does that mean they won't go uh, away from being an independent? Not sure. But what happens when contracts run out? The Big Ten right now is renegotiating. I almost look at it like this. I look at it like there's two groups here. The Fox group against the ESPN Disney group. And where does Notre Dame fit in that? I don't know. But I don't think they have as much relevance and as much cachet right now as they did before this merger of UCLA and USC. I just don't. I think both of those leagues will be fine without them. Oh, but with them, with them, they're going to make even more money. That's the one, that's the yeah. one program to yeah. add right now that's available. I say available in quotes uh, because everyone seems to, to have a, a price that they're willing to jump ship for right now. And Notre Dame's at the top no of the list. No question. I agree with that. And everybody has their price. Hell, we saw it in golf, right? I mean, Bryson DeChambeau came out today and said 150 That don't cut. What I'm making, everybody's got their price. There's no question. Hey, look, we all got our price. I got a you. We everybody's got a price. I'm not saying they're not the plum. I'm not. I'm just saying that when I look at this and the way this is going, let me put it a better way. Seems like leagues are moving on with or without Notre Dame. Let's put it that way. And uh, there, there are discussion points being made for the Big Ten that 
with a new agreement and how they're going to go to uh, potentially a streaming platform as well as the other networks, they could have member institutions earning as much as $100 million a season before this is all said and done. That, that's where we're headed, and that's the type of money that they can now hand out to all of the, the teams that want to join their conference. No, that, that could be enough for Notre Dame. Meanwhile, the ACC's got to come up with a way to reach that type of money and tell Clemson, hey, sorry, you guys have earned it, but we need Notre Dame to join so we can be saved. Yeah, I think, and I, and if Clemson's smart, they got to say that'd be great, right? I mean, you you got to look. I blame the Big Ten Network on all this. I, I do. I was telling Dave Repson, who's the face of the Big Ten Network, I blame you guys. When the Big Ten Network came in existence, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, all of a sudden, man, now it's at forty three million, I believe it is, that go to each school. Think about that. And the Pac-12 tried to replicate it with the Pac-12 network. They could never get their distribution, right? The ACC has it, but it's in conjunction with ESPN. The SEC, the same thing. People see the Big Ten network and the money that is coming out of that and will continue to come out of that. That's why, you know, I live right here in the middle of Big Ten country, and everybody says, well, you know, it's wrong that the Big Ten has Rutgers in Maryland and now USC and UCLA, and I'm like, really? What's wrong with it? This is about eyeballs. Rutgers gives you an East Coast, gives you New Jersey, gives you New York. Whether people are watching or not, it gives you those number of eyeballs. Obviously, you got the second biggest out West, and you got the two biggest names from the second biggest television market. So, look, if you're looking to help your league, you got to include, particularly if you're the ACC, you got to include Notre Dame. You've got to do, I think, everything you can to put Notre Dame in the ACC. Big Ten, sure, you would love them. SEC, absolutely, you would love them. But you're doing pretty daggone well without them. I do think this, I do think it is fascinating Normal people that aren't, you know, are just fans don't understand like, well, what about Connecticut basketball? What about Connecticut women's basketball? You know, Baylor just built a new place in football. That's what really matters, not Scott Drew's success on the basketball court. We all know this is football run. If you're Clemson, how long are you going to be able to sustain that? You better get some more money in there and Notre Dame's the one. So almost every day we close out the show and and Paul will say, you know, don't forget about Brittany Griner. I'm seeing a lot of celebrities around women's sports and even Brittany Griner's wife going on CBS this morning claiming that the White House has forgotten about Brittany Griner in all of this. I guess the question is, Dan, what is going on that Brittany Griner is still stuck in Russia at this point? I've, you know, I've talked a lot about this. And at first, you know, I was like a lot of people and said, how stupid are you, right? I mean, you're bringing in, allegedly bringing in something that's illegal in an airport of people that don't like us. It was right around the time that Biden went and gave, what, $14 uh, billion to Ukraine, which is obviously an enemy. Uh, I think we have a weak president. I think we have a weak administration. I think that one of the things... Whether you like Donald Trump or not, he was crazy enough that at least he put a little fear in you. Like, what the hell is this guy going to do if we don't? Look, times are different. You know, I go back to Trump getting the UCLA basketball players out 
uh, in China. Shoplifting is different from drugs. Hell, when I was a kid, my parents made me watch Midnight Express. And if you've ever seen that movie, it will absolutely make you not ever think about doing anything illegal in any foreign country. But I, I, I hope the White House jumps on this. I like the fact that people are now talking about it. You know, five months later, for crying out loud, it seems ridiculous for that offense. But I will say this. I had a defense attorney tell me, you know, only 1%, think about this, only 1% of trials, defense trials, criminal trials in Russia end up in an acquittal. 1%. And unlike the United States, when you get acquitted in Russia, the government has the opportunity to, uh, uh, what's the right word? I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting a word here. To appeal, I'm sorry, yeah. to appeal that acquittal. 1%. So, hey, I'm telling you right now, Brittany Griner is in real trouble, and getting her out, I think, is a lot on the government, right or wrong, whether you agree with it or don't, because the natural law of Russia says she ain't winning at least 99% of the time winning if this goes to trial, which had already started. One interesting thing that came out of the interview with Brittany Griner's wife on CBS this morning, this morning, was she came out and said, I was told by the White House to be quiet about this because the more I speak, the higher the price gets in terms of an exchange to get Brittany Griner back. And she said, I'm just fed up because... They won't return a call, a letter, an email, and nothing's happening. So now I'm being advised to get louder. And I just think it's interesting that she gets louder. I, I saw uh, other WNBA stars, other athletes. Now all of a sudden, it's like the flip switched, and everyone's calling out the White House all at once to make something happen. Well, I think, you know, again, I, I saw where her coach said if this is LeBron, he would be out. Boy, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think this is a black, white, woman, gay. I don't think this is any of those things. It's not always about those kind of things. This is about a person doing the wrong thing at the wrong time and a country in a country that is obviously hostile. And that person happened to be a big-name person. The timing of Brittany Griner's offense is horrible. Again, I don't think it's about LeBron, popularity, a man, a woman, white, black, uh, heterosexual, lesbian. I don't think it's any of that. I think this is the timing of it. And I think that when you look at what's going on now, I almost feel like, where the hell were you people? Where was everybody these last five months? Maybe they were told not to speak. But the bottom line is that woman, I hate it for her, is still in prison. And look, I get it. You broke a law in a country. I get it. We all get that. Laws are different in different countries. You got to be smarter than that. But damn, five months in a jail for that with the prospect of 10 years, a 99% prospect of 10 years? I've said this for the last six weeks, man. Somebody got to do something. It ain't going to be me. It ain't going to be you. It's going to have to be the president of the United States, the government. I understand he's got a lot on his plate. I understand there are other people. But, gone. this is I, – I don't have the answer. I can just point out what I see as the problem, and something's got to be done about it at a level far higher than any of us. Paul, are they uh, – the, the reports that they're trying to exchange her for someone – 
Is that kind of the idea behind what you've seen? I've seen some stuff like that. Uh, obviously, what Chad's talking about on CBS this morning indicates that that's uh, well. And the she way said it. She said down. this is what the White House said was for me to be as quiet as possible because if we continue to speak, it's just going to drive up the price. Is how she said it, which I thought that was the most interesting part. So clearly, they believe it's an exchange. Yeah, exchange of prisoners, exchange of money, exchange of something, conceding something to Russia in order to get her back. Hard to force the pace of you things know, when you're dealing with the crazy man. I mean. Yeah, and you know, here's the other thing, and I believe that. I believe they were told to be quiet because all of a sudden now Brittany Griner writes a letter. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I think any of us that if we weren't told to be quiet and, and we trusted that advice, you know, we'd be screaming and yelling from the day she got locked up. And if it was your daughter or your son or your aunt, uncle, mother, cousin, whatever it is. So I kind of believe what was said this morning, which was, hey, look, we kept quiet for a long time at the advice of the state. Now it's time to let's go. And I also believe that one of the reasons, again, this is why I say it's not, it's popularity more than it is black, white, male, female, lesbian, heterosexual, whatever it is, it's popularity. It's a bargaining chip. And as Paul, you said, man, you're bargaining with crazy blanked off dude. I mean, a a dude that's saying, wait a second, you just gave $14 million to the person or the the group, the country that we are fighting. Logic tells me that ain't going to make that dude very happy. And he not going to bend over backwards to appease you. That's what logic tells me. It's a horrible situation. Again, I go back to timing. The timing of it, you know, the, the, the act, whether or not she did it or not, I don't know. The act itself is stupid, but my God, uh, the timing made it even a thousand times worse, in my opinion. Before we let you go, I want to ask you about Kevin Durant. We haven't talked to you in a while. Um, this wanderlust and need to be loved by him annoys the hell out of me. Does it affect... Is, is legacy and, and what do you make of the Nets' willingness to, to go along and scrap the plan they had for him to be their guy? Man, you know, everybody tells me that Adam Silver, Paul, is the greatest commissioner. He's the greatest commissioner because he kisses the backside of players. And, and media guys in the NBA are so tied into players. Media guys in the NBA want the life of an NBA player. I've seen it for myself. This is the league, and this is the league that Adam Silver has created. It just is. I saw Chris Haynes, who's a very good reporter, say, well, it would be a bad look for the Brooklyn Nets if they didn't do what Kevin Durant wanted. What? You got a billion-dollar business that you're running there. Each franchise is worth a billion dollars. No, it's a bad look if you don't do what's best for that franchise and that fan base. And if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm saying, wait a second here. We're paying you, I don't know, whatever it is, almost, it's over $50 million a year. This is a pretty good gig. We made a commitment. We sold tickets. We sold a fan base. We're going to go through with this. If you don't want to show, fine. Then you, 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 uh, you find them, you get all your money back. But at some point, Paul, I honestly believe that leagues, the NBA, the NFL, you got to start standing up for your fans and for your team. Hey, look, James Harden didn't like it. Oh, we're going to get rid of him. Kyrie Irving plays 40 games or 20 games, whatever it is. Oh, we're going to get rid of him because he wants to get rid of At what point do you say, hold on, you came here and we gave you a deal 
both in good faith. We're going to live by at least a couple years of this deal. Honest to goodness, I, I, if, I'm the, if I'm the Nets, I'm thinking about what is Brooklyn, the third largest city in the country, whatever it is. That's what I'm thinking about. And if some dude don't like it, hey, man, don't play. Don't take your $50 million. Figure it out. That's what I'd do. Well, imagine trading for that guy. Yes. That's what I, you know, I, you're trading for a guy that's going to be gone in three years because that's what he does. I, three years would be a long time trading for a guy. Here's the yeah. problem. And this is what coaches will tell you all the time the, and, and general managers. The problem you have is when you have an evaluator as your best player, a guy that's evaluating everything that you do. Like, I don't view Steph Curry as an evaluator. I view Steph Curry as a guy that's in the system. Let's go. Let's win. Let's kick everybody's backside. I look at Kevin Durant as an evaluator. How do you treat me? Oh, you're not treating me well. Well, I didn't get along with this guy. Screw that. I mean, sir, if you're going to be the alpha dog, particularly in the NBA, where alpha dogs are the absolute positive face of the franchise, the organization, and fellas, as you know, many times the city, he can't be evaluating every single thing that everybody does. He's got to be the bought-in guy. He's got to be the guy that brings everybody together, not the guy that's over there in the corner saying, can you believe the coach did this? Can you believe the general manager did this? I'm not playing. You know, that crap just gets you beat in the first round or keeps you out of the playoffs. It just does. That's why I have such an appreciation for Steph Curry. I swear to God, the dude might be the most important player in the NBA. All he does is win championships, dominate series, and do it every single night with a smile on his face and no issues whatsoever. Honest to God, you can't have a guy that's evaluating. You got to have guys that are bought in and going. Let's go. And Kevin Durant doesn't seem to be that guy. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. Mornings across the Outkick Network. Had a great conversation with Michael Lombardi prior to the Cleveland trade with Carolina. You can go back and watch that. And uh, Dan will be tuned in tomorrow. Tomorrow I got Joe Kennedy, the guy that beat the Supreme Court. He won the Supreme Court case. He can pray on the field. We got him on tomorrow with his lawyer. It'd be good. Awesome. Thanks. We'll be, we'll, we'll Thanks, be there. Dan. Thank Always you, Dan. Fun. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you joining us. Dan Dockich with Thanks, us guys. each and every week. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. Mornings across the Outkick Network. Coming up, uh, Tiger Woods talks about the British Open and uh, the upcoming play that he is going to be involved with there. Uh, and also Bryson DeChambeau wants you to know how much money he's making. That's next and now kick 360. There were reports out that DeChambeau was getting over $100 million to join the Live Tour. Outkick 360 rolls on. Well, he wants everyone to know that uh, what was reported is a little less than what it actually is, which I don't find surprising given the figures that we've seen thrown out there. Um, well, and given it's his, also a weird flex at the same time. Given his personality, it doesn't surprise me. And the number is 125 million because Dustin Johnson's 150, Phil Mickelson's 200, DeChambeau was 125, and DeChambeau was asked about it at a recent press conference and said some of the numbers reported it's actually a little bit more than that. So 130, 135, 127, but it's more than that 125 number. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Is that? I guess that's just paid in a lump sum. Have we seen how that's paid out? Like, we have not seen anything Sean about Watson that. Sean Watson gets a $47 million signing bonus, right? But that's paid out uh, $15 million at a time. And the first payment will be July 31st for him. I've got a lot, I got a lot of questions. A lump sum about, or if it's over a time schedule. Well, I don't have any question about where the finances are coming from, from Saudi Arabia. I got a lot of questions about how they finance it in terms of do you just hand over a W 9? <laughs> I mean, how does that work? Do you just look up one day and your, your checking yeah, account has $150 million Direct more deposit. in it? Or is it, is it a five year contract? Is it, you know, paid out. I, I have no idea. That I, that has not been discussed by everyone taking the money to go play in this. this I would league. like to hear that very much. How are you taxed internationally? Yep. Yeah, the tax part of it. I mean, I I have no idea how all that works. Hopefully, that will come. Do they set all them up? Uh, you know, Swiss bank account and just put it in there. Like they have their own way of financing. Do they run it through the Cayman Islands? <laughs> I mean, I, I have no idea how this goes down. It's so public now that my oh by the way uh, speaking of public the um, the author uh, Shipnick he is uh, he's announced that his next book is going to be the inner workings of the Live Tour and the PGA battle back and forth. We'll find so he out. Just, he just released the um, you know the the Phil Mickelson biography and he will have uh, the inner workings and details of the Live Tour and PGA Tour. That'll be the the background of the. The emphasis on the book. I'm curious how he's getting his access to the Live Tour, considering he was kicked out of the one press conference he attended well, by kicked, Phil Mickelson's people. Kicked out of Mickelson's press conference, not the only other press players. conference he attended. And other players to talk to him, I would imagine. Uh, coming up, we've got headlines of the day, including Kennedy Chandler and the record contract that he has signed for a second-round pick in Memphis. Seahawks and pl- Trailblazers, not for sale yet, but eventually will be, and more. That's next.